Section 18 of Beacon Lights of History, Volume 9, European Statesmen, by John Lord. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by K. Hand. The Greek Revolution, Part 3. Interest in the affairs of Greece now began to be awakened, especially among the English, and the result was a loan of £800,000 raised in London for the Greek government, at the rate of £59 for £100. Grace really obtained only £280,000, while it contracted a debt of £80,000. Yet this disadvantageous loan was of great service to an utterly impoverished government, about to contend with the large armies of the Turks. The Sultan had made immense preparations for the campaign of 1824, and had obtained the assistance of the celebrated Ibrahim Pasha, adopted son of Mohammed Ali, Pasha of Egypt, who with his Egyptian troops had nearly subdued Crete. Over 100,000 men were now directed, by sea and land, to western Greece and Missolonghi, of which 20,000 were disciplined Egyptian troops. With this great force, the Mussulmans assumed the offensive, and the condition of Greece was never more critical. First, the islands of Spezia and Ipsara were attacked, the latter being little more than a barren rock, but the abode of liberty. It was poorly defended, and was enabled to cope with the Turkish armada, having on board 15,000 disciplined troops. Canaris advised a combat on the sea, but was overruled, and the consequences were fatal. The island was taken and sacked, and all the inhabitants were put to the sword. In addition to this great calamity, the spoil made by the victors was immense, including two hundred pieces of artillery and ninety vessels. Canaris, however, contrived to escape in a boat, to pursue a victorious career with his fire-ships. The Turkish and Egyptian fleets had effected a junction, consisting of one ship of the line, twenty-five frigates, twenty-five corvettes, fifty brigs and schooners, and two hundred and forty transports, carrying eighty thousand soldiers and sailors and twenty-five hundred cannon. To oppose this great armament, the Greek Admiral Mialus had only seventy sail, manned by five thousand sailors, and carrying eight hundred guns. In spite, however, of this disproportion of forces, he advanced to meet the enemy, and dispersed it with a great Turkish loss of fifteen thousand men. All that the Turks had gained was a barren island. On the land the Turks had more successes, but these were so indecisive that they did not attempt to renew the siege of Missolonghi, and the campaign of 1824 closed with a great loss to the Mussulmans. The little army and fleet of the Greeks had repelled one hundred and twenty thousand soldiers confident of success. But the population was now reduced to less than five hundred thousand, becoming feebler every day, and the national treasury was empty, while the whole country was a scene of desolation and misery. And yet, strange to say, the Greeks continued their dissensions while on the very brink of ruin. Stranger still, their courage was unabated. The year 1825 opened with brighter prospects. The rival chieftains, in view of the desperate state of affairs, at last united and seemingly buried in their jealousies. A new loan was contracted in London of two million pounds, and the naval forces were increased. But the Turks also made their preparations for a renewed conflict, and Ibrahim Pasha felt himself strong enough to undertake the siege of Navarino, which fell into his hands after a brave resistance. Tripolitza also capitulated to the Egyptian, and the Morea was occupied by his troops after several engagements. 
after this the greeks never ventured to fight in the open field but only in guerrilla bands in mountain passes and behind fortifications then began the memorable siege of missolonghi under rashid pasha it was probably the strongest town in greece by reason not of its fortifications but of the surrounding marshes and lagoons which made it inaccessible into this town the armed peasantry threw themselves with five thousand troops under nikitas while mialis with his fleet raised the blockade by sea and supplied the town with provisions rashid pasha determined on an assault but was driven back thrice he advanced with his troops only to be repulsed his forces at the end of october were reduced to three thousand men the sultan irritated by successive disasters brought the whole disposable force of his empire to bear on the doomed city ibrahim powerfully reinforced with twenty-five thousand men by sea and land stormed battery after battery yet the greeks held out contending with famine and pestilence as well as with troops ten times their number at last they were unable to offer further resistance and they resolved on a general sortie to break through the enemy's line to a place of safety the women of the town put on male attire and armed themselves with pistols and daggers the whole population men william and children on the night of the twenty-second of april eighteen twenty six issued from their defences crossed the moat in silence passed the ditches and trenches and made their way through an opening of the besiegers lines for a while the sortie seemed to be successful but mistakes were made a panic ensued and most of the flying crowd retreated back to the deserted town only to be massacred by turkish scimitars some made their escape a column of nearly two thousand after incredible hardships succeeded in reaching salonica in safety but missalonghi fell with a loss of nearly ten thousand killed wounded and prisoners it was a great disaster but it proved in the end the foundation of greek independence by creating a general burst of blended enthusiasm and indignation throughout europe the heroic defense of this stronghold against such overwhelming forces opened the eyes of european statesmen public sentiment in england in favor of the struggling nation could no longer be disregarded mr canning took up the cause both from enthusiasm and policy the english ambassador at constantinople had a secret interview with mavro cordatos on an island near hydra and promised him the intervention of england the death of tsar alexander gave a new aspect to affairs for his successor nicholas made up his mind to raise his standard in turkey the national voice of russia was now for war the duke of wellington was sent to st petersburg nominally to congratulate the czar on his accession but really to arrange for an armed intervention for the protection of greece the hellenic government ordered a general conscription for ibrahim pasha was organizing new forces for the subjection of the moria and the reduction of napoli di romania and hydra while a powerful fleet put to sea from alexandria no sooner did this fleet appear however than canaris and Maulis attacked it with their dreaded fireships and the forty ships of egypt fled from fourteen small greek vessels and re-entered the dardanelles but the turks always more fortunate on land than by sea pressed now the siege of the acropolis and athens fell into their hands early in eighteen twenty seven for six or seven years the greeks had struggled heroically but relief was now at hand russia and england signed a protocol on the sixth of july and france soon after joined to put an end to the sanguinary contest the terms proposed to the sultan by the three great powers were moderate that he should still retain a nominal sovereignty over the revolted provinces and receive an annual tribute but the haughty and exasperated sultan indignantly rejected them 
and made renewed preparations to continue the contest ibrahim landed his forces on the maria and renewed his depredations once more the ambassadors of the allied powers presented their final note to the turkish government and again it was insultingly disregarded the allied admirals then entered the port of navarino where the turkish and egyptian fleets were at an anchor with ten ships of the line ten frigates with other vessels altogether carrying thirteen hundred and twenty-four guns the ottoman force consisted of seventy-nine vessels armed with twenty-two hundred and forty guns strict orders were given not to fire while negotiations were going on but an accidental shot from a turkish vessel brought on a general action and the combined turkish and egyptian fleet was literally annihilated october twentieth eighteen twenty seven this was the greatest disaster which the ottoman turks had yet experienced indeed it practically ended the whole contest christendom had at last come to the rescue when greece unaided was incapable of further resistance the battle of navarino excited of course the wildest enthusiasm throughout greece and a corresponding joy throughout europe never since the battle of lepanto was there such a general exultation among christian nations this single battle decided the fate of greece the admirals of the allied fleet were doubtless the aggressors in the battle but the turks were the aggressors in the war canning of england did not live to enjoy the triumph of the cause which he had come to have so much at heart he was the inspiring genius who induced both russia and france now under charles the tenth to intervene chateaubriand the minister of charles the tenth was in perfect accord with canning from poetical and sentimental reasons politically his policy was that of metternich who could see no distinction between the insurrection of naples and that of greece in the great austrian's eyes all people alike who aspired to gain popular liberty or constitutional government were rebels to be crushed canning however sympathized in his latter days with all people striving for independence whether in south america or greece but his opinion was not shared by english statesmen of the tory school and he had the greatest difficulty in bringing his colleagues over to his views when he died england again relapsed into neutrality and inaction under the government of wellington charles the tenth in france had no natural liking for the greek cause and only wanted to be undisturbed in his schemes of despotism russia under nicholas determined to fight turkey unfettered by allies she sought but a pretext for a declaration of war turkey furnished to russia that pretext right in the stress of her own military weakness when she was exhausted by a war of seven years and by the destructions of the janissaries which the sultan had long meditated and concealed in his own bosom with the craft which formed one of the peculiarities of this cruel yet able sovereign but which he finally executed with characteristic savagery concerning this russian war we shall speak presently the battle of navarino although it made the restoration of the turkish power impossible in greece still left ibrahim master of the fortresses and it was two years before the turkish troops were finally expelled but independence was now assured and the greeks set about establishing their government with some permanency before the end of that year capo de istrius was elected president for seven years and in january eighteen twenty eight he entered upon his office his ideas of government were arbitrary for he had been the minister and favorite of alexander he wished to rule like an absolute sovereign his short reign was a sort of dictatorship his council was composed entirely of his creatures and he sought at once to destroy provincial and municipal authority he limited the freedom of the press and violated the secrecy of the males in plato's home plato's gorgias could not be read because it spoke too strongly against tyrants capo diestrius found it hard to organize and govern amid the hostilities of rival chieftains and the general anarchy which prevailed 
local self-government lay at the root of greek nationality but this he ignored and set himself to organize an administrative system modeled after that of france during the reign of napoleon intellectually he stood at the head of the nation and was a man of great integrity of character as austere and upright as guizot having no toleration for freebooters and peculators he became unpopular among the sailors and merchants who had been so effective in the warfare with the turks a dark shadow fell over his government as it became more harsh and intolerant and he was assassinated the ninth of october eighteen thirty one the allied sovereigns who had taken the greeks under their protection now felt the need of a stronger and more stable government for them than a republic and determined to establish an hereditary but constitutional monarchy the crown was offered to prince leopold of saxe coburg who at first accepted it but when the prince began to look into the real estate of the country curtailed in its limits by the jealousies of the english government rent with anarchy and dissension containing a people so long enslaved that they could not make orderly use of freedom he declined the proffered crown it was then eighteen thirty two offered to and accepted by prince otho of bavaria a minor and thirty five hundred bavarian soldiers maintained order during the three years of the regency which though it developed great activity was divided in itself and conspiracies took place to overthrow it the year eighteen thirty five saw the majority of the king who then assumed the government in the same year the capital was transferred to athens which was nothing but a heap of rubbish but the city soon after had a university and also became an important port in eighteen forty three after a military revolution against the german elements of otho's government which had increased from year to year the greeks obtained from the king a representative constitution to which he took an oath in eighteen forty four but the limits of the kingdom were small and neither crete thessaly epirus nor the ionian islands were included in it in eighteen forty six these islands were ceded by great britain to greece which was also strengthened by the annexation of thessaly since then the progress of the country in material wealth and in education has been rapid otho reigned until eighteen sixty two although amid occasional outbreaks of impatience and revolt against the reactionary tendencies of his rule in that year he fled with his queen from a formidable uprising and in eighteen sixty three prince william son of christian the ninth king of denmark was elected monarch under the title of george the first king of the hellenes the resurrection of greece was thus finally effected it was added to the european kingdoms and now bids fair to be prosperous and happy thus did the old hellas rise from the grave of nations scorched by fire riddled by shot baptized by blood she emerged victorious from the conflict she achieved her independence because she proved herself worthy of it she was trained to manhood in the only school of real improvement the school of suffering the greek revolution has another aspect than battles on the morea massacres on the islands of the archipelago naval enterprises under heroic seamen guerrilla conflicts amid the defiles of mountains brave defenses of fortresses dissensions and jealousies between chieftains treacheries and cruelties equaling those of the turks another aspect than the recovery of national independence even it is memorable for the complications which grew out of it especially for the war between turkey and russia when the emperor nicholas feeling that turkey was weakened and exhausted sought to grasp the prize which he had long coveted even the possessions of the sick man nicholas was the opposite of his brother alexander having neither his gentleness his impulsiveness his generosity nor his indecision he was a hard despot of the blood and iron stamp ambitious for aggrandizement indifferent to the sufferings of others and withal a religious bigot the greek rebellion as we have seen gave him the occasion to pick a quarrel with the sultan the danubian principalities were dearer to him than remote possessions on the mediterranean 
so on the seventh day of may eighteen twenty eight the russians crossed the pruth and invaded moldavia and wallachia provinces which had long belonged to turkey by right of conquest though governed by greek hospodars the danube was crossed on the seventh of june the turks were in no condition to contend in the open field with seventy thousand russians and they retreated to their fortresses to abrelia and silistria on the danube to varna and shumla in the vicinity of the balkans the first few weeks of the war were marked by russian successes abrelia capitulated on the eighteenth of june and the military posts on the dalbrashada fell rapidly one after another but it was at shumla that the strongest part of the turkish army was concentrated under omar Baronis, bent on defensive operations and thither the Tsar directed his main attack before this stronghold his army wasted away by sickness in the malarial month of september the turks were reinforced and moved to the relief of varna also invested by russian troops but the season was now too far advanced for military operations and the russians after enormous losses withdrew to the danube to resume the offensive the following spring the winter was spent in bringing up reserves the czar finding that he had no aptitude as a general withdrew to his capital entrusting the direction of the following campaign to Debich, a prussian general famous for his successes and his cruelties in the spring of eighteen twenty nine the first movement was made to seize silistria toward which a great turkish force was advancing under reshid pasha the grand vizier his forces experienced a great defeat and two weeks after in the latter part of june silistria surrendered resistance to the russians was now difficult the passes of the balkans were left undefended and the invading force easily penetrated them and advanced to adrianople which surrendered in a great panic the russians could have been defeated had not the turks lost their senses for the troops under debich were reduced to twenty thousand men but this fact was unknown to the turks who magnified the russian forces to one hundred thousand at least the result was the treaty of adrianople on the fourteenth of september apparently generous to the turks but really of great advantage to the russians Russia restored to Turkey all her conquests in Europe and Asia, except a few commercial centers on the Black Sea, while the treaty gave to the Tsar the protectorate over the Danubian principalities, the exclusion of Turks from fortified posts on the left bank of the Danube, free passage through the Dardanelles to the merchant vessels of all nations at peace with the Sultan, and the free navigation of the Black Sea. But Constantinople still remained the capital of Turkey. The sick man would not die. From jealousy of Russia, the Western powers continued to nurse him without their aid he was not long to live but his existence was deemed necessary to maintain the balance of power and they came to his assistance in the crimean war twenty-six years later and gave him a new lease of life this is the eastern question how long before the turks will be driven out of europe and who shall possess constantinople that is a question upon which it would be idle for me to offer speculations another aspect of the question is how far shall russia be permitted to make conquests in the east this is equally insoluble authorities finley's greece under ottoman domination leek's travels in northern greece gordon's greek revolution metternich's memoirs howe's greek revolution mendelssohn's graf capo distris an hist valentini allison's europe fife's history of modern europe muller's political history of recent times end of section eighteen